Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads Podcast with Pastor Bob Thibodeau. Pastor Bob conducts personal interviews with Christian influencers from around the globe, helping Christian authors, recording artists, CEOs, entrepreneurs, nonprofit leaders, and yes, pastors and ministry leaders to get the word out about what they are doing to impact the world with the gospel. Our podcast has been rated in the top one half percent of all podcasts in the world by listennotes.com, so you know your message will be heard. Now, here is your host with today's interview, Pastor Bob Thibodeau. Hello, everyone, everywhere. Pastor Robert Thibodeau here. Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads podcast today. We're so blessed that you're joining us for part three and the conclusion of a great interview with author Scott Wright, who's been teaching us about the fourth church age. And if you missed any of the preceding two days of episodes, you need to go back and catch up, because I just don't have time to go back and cover all this information all over again. Today, Scott's going to be sharing with us about how the Renaissance period impacted the church, impacted believers, and then the importance of the printing press. And how that helped us spread the gospel across the planet. Praise God. This is so interesting. I mean, think about it, folks. Nobody had their own Bible until the printing press was invented. Now, the Bible is the number one selling book in the world. Praise the Lord. There is a hunger for the Word of God, and we're going to jump back into this interview now and the conclusion of this interview with Scott Wright. You mentioned about uh, the, you know, it's written one continuous scroll, and yes. you know, one letter is w- one letter. It wasn't broken up chapter and verse. No. And sometimes people lose track of that, and, you know, and sometimes when I'm up preaching and I'll, I'll be preaching on a certain topic and I'll tell them, you know, now skip you know, where it says chapter two, just skip over that and just keep reading it. Like it was one continuous thing. Cause it makes more sense. Yeah. And, and I was just studying this. It's funny. You mentioned this guy. Just, I was just studying this a few days back in, in Hebrews chapter one and chapter two, you know, I'll just go Hebrews chapter one verse, you know, 13, but to which of the angels did he ever say at any time, sit on my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool? Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who should be heirs of salvation? And that's where people stop. And then tomorrow they come back up and they pick up chapter two. It says, therefore, we ought to give more earnestly to things we've heard, lest any time we let them slip. But that word, therefore, you have to back up to see what it's there for, right? And that's why I say it's just one continuous thought, and it makes so much more sense when we say, are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister to them who are heirs of salvation? Therefore, we should give more earnestly to things which we've heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. You know, it's one continuous thought, but when chapter and verse are brought into it, it breaks it up and it doesn't make as, it's not as powerful a statement. We'll put it like that. You know, exactly. And, uh, so that's exactly what you're talking about. I, I, when you said that, it just made me think about, you know, I just read and that was the perfect example. So, exactly. I mean, yeah. you, you, and you hit the nail on the head. And so there's some great things that come out. And this is part of that. These are some really good things that come out of this age of the church. And, and Jesus did not totally condemn every aspect of this church. You know, he did, there were some pluses as well, you know, there's some pros and cons here, which is in every age of the church. If you read, if you really read it and study it, there's pros and cons. However, 
he he puts his foot down on this church. He's like, enough is enough. I've given you plenty of time. If you read verse 21, even though I have given her time to repent of her immorality, she is right. unwilling. That shows that he gave this church plenty of time. Well, this church is going to last literally a thousand years, this age mm-hmm. of the church. Well, what's going to happen is, is if you get deeper into this, the fall of Constantinople at, in 1453 is a is it, to me is right on that same level of Martin Luther's 95 thesis mm-hmm. because it's going to create an amazing change while Constantinople is going to be taken over by the Muslims and the Byzantine empire is going to fall and be destroyed. Basically it's going to end it. It's going to lead to the age of exploration because it's going to cut off all the trade routes between East and West forcing yeah. guys like Christopher Columbus yeah. to go East, go West to go East. Yeah. That's what it does. Yeah. It changes how they do things, which is going to lead to the discovery of the Americas. Yeah. Now, I will tell you, the Knights Templars were already coming over here, which also comes out Mm -hmm. of this age of the church. Yep. Yeah. They were already coming over here. They have a lot of evidence to show that. It's not just conspiracy. They just weren't publicizing it. Christopher Columbus makes it a public spectacle. And now all the Western European empires have to fight for these resources because they're fighting each other. They mm-hmm. don't want to get, they don't want to let another country get the upper hand on them. Yep. Amen. And that's Amen. exactly what happens here. That competition leads to all of this. And, and he so, brought up something that, that I just want to reemphasize that, you know, when the fall of Constantinople and all of the trade routes now passed through those areas to get to the, you know, the China and India and all that good stuff. Yes. And now the Muslims were controlling it. You're either going to get pay high taxes or get robbed, you know, whatever you're yep. trying to trade. They were taking it. It was that forced the Kings and the Queens and the nobles and all that from the countries in Europe saying, how are we going to get all these things we need? you know, from India and stuff like that. And that's, that's where the, the kind of, well, you know, we can sail all the way around the horn of Africa and, you know, then you're dealing with pirates and all that good stuff over there, you know, and that's where, well, you know, one day Christopher Columbus just sitting there at the seashore and says, noticing the, as the ships come in first, you see the mass and then the sail and then the ship. And he's like, Hmm. This isn't flat. This is round. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. That's the horizon. What? Well, what's on the other side? (laughs) Hey, queen, you know, give me some money and some ships and I'll go, I'll go to India that way. (laughs) And, and there were a few people during that time that knew the earth was round and not flat. Yeah. They already knew that. Yeah. This just made that public. Yeah. Is what it did. Um, I'm going to say this too, and and I think this is a big deal because you said what affects us in this modern era from the fourth age, the Ottoman empire will be established with the fall of Constantinople. Okay. That's yeah. They're going to, they're going to overtake the Byzantine empire and they're going to destroy the Byzantines and run them out of Constantinople. Yeah. And Ottoman empire is going to establish itself. Well, the Ottoman empire is going to last. And this is so important. It's going to last until the end of World War One. What they held, what they will hold from this time period, 
up until the end of World War One is Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. There's a document, in, and we'll talk about this when we get to the seventh age of the church. In 1917, the Balfour Declaration Balfour, yeah. mm-hmm. in November of 1917 will establish the land for Israel. And in 1948, after all the persecution in Europe through right before and through World War II, a lot of Israelites will... They'll either they'll either go to England, basically this is where they went, England, United States, and Israel, because that land was now being established. And when Harry S. Truman signs that document in 1948, May 1948, the clock starts ticking. Yeah, amen. And amen. there's a lot of Israelites that start flooding in there, and then there'll be a, I think it's in 1951, I can just scroll down on my timeline here that I have, but it, in 1950, there's the law of return um, that's released on July 5th. And that allows any Israel, is Israeli or Jewish person to come back to Israel automatically be declared a citizen. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. that's a Man, big that's deal. A big There's thing. no test. Yeah. They don't that's right. If they're, if they're of Jewish descent, boom, they are yeah. automatically included into the land of Israel as a citizen automatic. And that happens in 1950, and they flood in there and then eventually completely populate that area. So yeah. The biggest populations of people with Jew- the Jewish faith are the United States, Great Britain, and Israel. Yeah, amen. I mean, they yeah, are, is. and that's where they're most protected. And one thing that you know, I, I through you know, I, I like, I love history as well. And one thing I was reading, I can't remember where I was, I was reading it or why, but they said that uh, the Ottoman Empire, they were, you know, during World War One, and then again World War Two. Naturally, oil and things like that is very valuable. Yep. And uh, the they decided, well, we'll go ahead and get this oil that's down in the Middle East back up to Germany. So yep. they were going to build these pipelines. Well, yep. they went down and made a deal with the Ottoman Empire. You provide labor and we'll pay you money. Yep. And they're like, oh, you want to buy oil? <laughs> you know? It's like, sure, we'll sell you oil. And uh, that's so when Germany lost the war, since the Ottoman Empire had side saddled up with, you know, Germany, then they were also considered, you know, you're part of the spoils of war. And that's what broke them up. And uh, and then Great Britain came in and, and, you know, took over the area and all that good stuff. But uh yeah, you know what allowed all that to happen? God. <laughs> well, of course. Amen. But there's a guy by the name of John D. Rockefeller, Standard mm. Oil. Yeah. Now, I always t- I have to talk about this. I don't think people understand how powerful Standard Oil was. Matter of fact, the only other guy, I, I actually think that J.P. Morgan yeah. and John D. Rockefeller are as powerful and influential of figures in the United States as George Washington. I know a yeah. lot of people don't understand that they don't, because those were political leaders and these guys were businessmen. Yeah. John standard oil controlled yeah. like 90% of the world's oil supply in the refineries mm-hmm. until it was broken up in 19, I think it was 1912. It was broken up right before world war one. Well, what you just said, Talking about the Ottomans and the Germans? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's because Standard Oil was broken up. 
Yeah. That could Amen. be done now. Yep. Rockefeller and Standard Oil were not controlling this anymore. Exactly. Yeah. And, and that's what allowed it. And, but notice the time frames, though. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Standard Oil was so large, it was yeah. broken up into 34 companies. Yep. And John D. Rockefeller just took stock in all of them and, like, doubled his net worth overnight. Right. Amen. <laughs> it was it was crazy, but it, it was so large. But that is so significant. Yep. And J.P. Morgan, I mean, think of the significance of what he did. He's what made help make electricity and, and lighting mm -hmm. become so mainstream because he had the power to make it work. He you he you now he bought off and used a lot of people to do it. Sure. Yeah. And he, yes. he manipulated that to make it to his advantage. And of course he forms the company General Electric out of Edison Electric because he holds the majority of his shares of that company yep. at that time. And he he manipulates Westinghouse and Tesla and I mean, oh, yeah. and, and Edison, I mean, he did what had to be done to get it to go yep. and it went mainstream and it not only hit the United States, but then all Europe and, yep. you know, all, and Great Britain and then Europe and all that. So you Amen. can go study that for Amen. yourself, Praise but this God. is a big deal Yeah, it is because it really it's going to lead to the modern era of warfare as well, including World War One and World War Two that will yep. establish the Jewish nation. Yep. Amen. That will Amen. retake Jerusalem in 1967. These technologies yep. will affect that. Well, guess what? If we dial it all the way back to 1453 with the Ottomans taking it over, it starts this competition of the age of exploration mm -hmm. that will eventually culminate in World War One and World War Two. Yeah. That will culminate in in Jerusalem becoming or Israel becoming a nation and Jerusalem becoming under Israeli control again. And, you know, it just connects with the, sticking with the, you know, seemingly innocuous situations with this age of exploration. That's when, yep. you know, the the sheiks and all this stuff in Saudi Arabia start getting rich. Oh, yep. You're going to buy oil from us. You want to. Sure. You know, and that's what makes them so rich and which impacts yep. that area. I mean, folks, they, uh, this is not all haphazard stuff. No. These are things that God laid out from the foundation of the world, and it's on his timeline these things happen. Yep. You know? I mean, you know, Chinese have been launching rockets and fireworks and stuff like that as weapons and warfare for thousands of years. And it guess wasn't what? until the 1950s when, or maybe 40s when, uh, you know, Dr. Goddard, Figured out how to make it go straight up. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, give it direction. That's right. <laughs> well, and think about this: the gun uh -huh. came from China. It came yeah. around the same time period. Yeah, it, all that they had used gunpowder before, and they used it in fireworks. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now they controlled it in the barrel of a gun, and that's how they brought down the Genghis Khan Empire. Yeah, the Mongols. Yeah, they were they were brought down by the gun, and so amen. that's what happened, and that actually happened during this same age of the church. Yep, exactly, amen. that all came amen. in this time period. There, I'm gonna just say this to all of you listening: there's a lot of history here that you think is just ancient and like doesn't have any impact. It all came from this time period. Is a an explosion, an explosion of ideas and technologies 
that are foundational to what we have today. Yep. And that includes religious, political, technological. I mean, you think about it. What happens during this age of the church politically that leads to the Declaration of Independence, the mm -hmm. Magna Carta, yeah, yeah, the Renaissance? Yeah. These things will take shape during this time. Yeah. This and, fourth and, age of the church is a big deal. Yep. And no, it you, is a foundational, inf the, the infrastructure of this age of the church is still in place today. Yeah. You know, you mentioned, you know, the impact of Columbus and all that. I was, you know, again, I, I love reading and stuff. And they say Columbus was actually a Jew that was in hiding, basically, because of the persecution of the Jews. And that, uh, you know, most of his crew was made up of Jewish people when he came over to America. They were, you know, they were, hey, queen, you know, we'll go there and find you another route and stuff like that. But again, he and his crew were actually fleeing persecution, you know. So, you know, again, the persecution that Jews were undergoing ended up with the Western world being discovered. <laughs> so, and I think I told you before you turn this on and, and I've, and, and before, before we turn this on, before we started this uh, podcast today, but there are a lot of events in here that I'm not even bringing up that a yeah. lot of you may know about or have studied that are influential during this time. Yeah, exactly. And you just brought up one. I've never actually studied the religious beliefs of, Christ, of Christopher Columbus. Mm -hmm. I really don't know that i that's not something i've studied i've just studied how he impacted or how the age of exploration and how, what his part in that was and obviously the discovery of america's yeah. and things like that i've never yeah. done an in-depth study on christopher columbus so i have absolutely it's, it's been i'm not going to sit here and pretend that i know because i don't yeah. it's been three or four years since i was reading about all that but yeah it was it's, it's amazing how how all this stuff just happens to you know and then you know we talk about the pilgrims and, you know, all this stuff because they're fleeing the persecution, you know, I mean, all this stuff folks is in God's timing. Exactly. And it didn't happen in, you know, 900 BC and it didn't happen in 900 AD. All this stuff happened in the 1940s. Go figure. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you know, but uh, Scott, this is, so, this is so fascinating. I just keep on talking about this, but share with us how someone can get reach out to you and get more information on these topics. Well, uh, first of all, I need to talk about the end of the age of this church. Okay. Really quick. And you'll need to, because this is important. And then, and then we will get into that as well, but just real, just to wrap up here, King Henry the eighth is the key here. Mm-hmm. His his shenanigans with him trying to have a son and having Anne Boleyn killed and then trying to do divorces and all this stuff eventually er erupts into the church ex excommunicating him. Right. What the church probably didn't realize that they were doing at this time is they were flipping the ages of the church. That was the key <laughs> event. And this happens in 1538 on December 17th. The Roman church will excommunicate Ken Henry VIII. Now the Church of England is on its own and completely separate. King Henry VIII had declared himself head of the Church of England. Mm -hmm. yep. Now we have a monarch in control of this, and England will become the dominating power in the world. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If you want to go study something, study the influence of Britain from this time period on 
over world events and technologies and all the things that we have in this in in our lives. Britain is at the center. The United States, we are a derivative of Britain. India, yep. the way it's structured now, is much a derivative of Britain. Exactly. 54 common, if I'm not mistaken, it's 54 commonwealths called Britain, its head of state, 2.4 billion people. Mm. That is more than China or India. And India and the United States are derivatives of the British Empire as, as it stands today. Yeah. That is the power of Great Britain, folks. And to not see that, that that is the culminating event that flips the ages of the church is not taking into account the immense influence of Britain, even more so than Martin Luther. He kind of was that warning sign that this was coming and the Protestant Reformation and things starting to take hold because it was a big deal. Yeah. And that is a big deal in our faith. But this is all about a power shift. That's what flips the ages of the church. And this is one. The Roman church, I don't think they realized what they were doing here. And they literally, it showed the erosion of their power. As Britain became the most powerful, now it was not connected to the Roman church. Now the most powerful entity is not connected to the Roman church anymore. Like it had been. That power shift is the key element in all of this. Because Great during Britain, this time frame with the church... I mean, they're accumulating wealth. I mean, they're making money oh, yeah. over fist because, you know, monarchs and, you know, different countries had to get their blessing to be. Exactly. And think know, of all the and, money coming out yeah. of there. Mm -hmm. yep. But that's going to stop. Yeah. Now the king of England says, you know, I'm not doing it no more. <laughs> and, think about, and think about this. Here's what they do. And this is important. December 17th, 1538 is the key is the key trigger event when the Roman church excommunicates King Henry VIII, And now the church of England is on its own, but think about this. The King of England broke away from the Roman church, England and its church will become the dominant power in the world, replacing the church of Rome as that dominant power. Yeah. April of 1539. It's called the great Bible. England's first Bible was authorized in June of 1539. The six articles are released that explains the faith of the Anglican church, the church of England, is now fully established. Folks, that is powerful. They now write their own version of the Bible. They now have its own version in English. Yeah. That relates to the Church of England, not the Roman Catholic Church, or excuse me, the Roman Church of that time. Yeah. It's not, it, it, that is the vent. And of course, it's not going to go in a straight line. There'll be a revert back to to the Roman church and then back to the church of England and, and how that all works through it's, you know, through the processes of basically the daughters of King Henry the eighth and all the you know, bloody Mary. And we get all of this stuff. Yeah. All right. And you can go study that history on your own, but that's the trigger event that switches us to the fifth age of the church. And I just want to bring this up. If you watched the coronation of King Charles the third, one of the ceremonies that they went through was when he accepted the crown of the Church of England. Yep. He's the head of the Church of England. That's still happening today, folks. Yep. We just seen it a few months ago. So. And just so you guys know, this is this is where the, the power of Rome erodes, and now it's the power of Britain. And all of the last three ages of the church the significant events that will trigger the change 
it's going to come through Great Britain. Yeah. Amen. And I will show you that when we do this in future episodes. Amen. Amen. It is. I cannot understate that. First of all, the sun never sets on the British Empire. That's right. Amen. Think about that. And to, th- I mean, they were involved in all the important decisions made in the world during World War One and World War Two. They're the only country that was involved in all the decisions made in both of those. Amen. Amen. World War One, you know, it's basically Britain and France. World yep. War Two, it's Britain, the United States, and Russia or USSR yep. back then, the Soviet Union. The only and Russia didn't come until the end. Britain, before that, exactly. Was us in the U.S. Yeah. Yeah. The land given to the Israelites was given to them by, by Britain. Britain. Yeah. Balfour Declaration. So to not understand that is to not understand how history really is shaping through this age of the church. Jesus told us how this was going to happen. Yeah, he does. He's talking to John here and he's showing us how this is going to happen. Amen. Amen. And you're right. Talk about next time. Yeah, exactly. So we'll get, we'll get, we'll dive into this a little bit more. Yeah. Give us a brief synopsis of what we'll be talking about next time. Oh, okay. So, yeah, sorry. I didn't hear you correctly. We're going to get into the fifth age of the church. And so that fourth age of the church lasted a thousand years from 538 when the Byzantines take Rome. The seizure of Rome starts in 537. But if we dial it down and we go to 1538, that's the end of the fourth age. That's a thousand years. Now we're going to talk about the 200 years of the fifth age of the church. And this is going to be a time of global expansion. And it's also known as the dead church, partly because the Roman church and its influence is dying off, but also because it's spiritually dead. And it really is. It's a spiritually dead church because it is all about human advancement. This, this time period is about human advancement. Amen. And folks, when we are talking about going back to what is our intended purpose in life, it is ultimately to glorify God. This is not an age that was done in a way that glorified God. It fits into God's ultimate plan, yes, because it establishes things that will come later that will bring God's final plan basically to fruition. But... This is not an age where God is being promoted in the way that God wants to be promoted. It's being done by human power. It really is. We're going to get, matter of fact, if you go through, this is the age when slavery will be established in the United States Mm. during the dead church. church. I mean, well, slavery is kind of a form of dead. It really is. Yeah. And this is when it's established. Amen. You know, Amen. and it's, it's, and, and I can't really, w- I, I'll tell you the, the age of the church I can't wait to talk about is when we get in from the fifth to the sixth age of the church. <laughs> I love talking about Amen. that because it is much like the establishment right before the first age of the church begins. It's a Pentecostal event. And so that gives you a little clue as to what's going to flip the fifth and sixth age of the church. It's literally going to happen in one night. And it's amazing. It's just an amazing event, and I've read enough about it now to realize how important that event is, and we don't really talk about it. 
So, and it actually establishes a great spiritual movement that we still are trying to, that kind of that movement that we're trying to recapture now today. Yeah. Amen. amen. And it's really a spirit of revival. It is. How can someone revival? How can someone obtain a copy of your book, God Center Concept Journal, Making God's Ways My My Ways? Is it on Amazon? Yeah, it's just on my Amazon. God Centered okay. Concept T S Wright, T okay. like Thomas, S like Scott Wright, and that will give you everything you need. Amen. And Tell it us what be your on podcast. there, and you can buy it in different sizes. And I've got small versions, large versions. I like the large version. I yeah. I like the letter, big letter size, but some people like the smaller. Like I'm doing this comparative analysis with judges and numbers right now and and, and incorporating that analysis to Revelation 3, 14, 22, the process of that, that I layer out in my, what, episode five through 10 of my podcast, uh, the God Center concept, but it allows me a lot of space to write, but some people like small versions. They just want to carry them and, you know, women want to carry them in purses, whatever. So that, that's a great way. And I will tell you that that my books that are going to come out about this, as well as the things that are in my podcasts, they're going to be written more like almost study guide devotionals. Amen. That's how they're going to be written. I'm not going to write these like a narrative book. Mm -hmm. And I've decided to get away from that because I, I believe that the way people allocate their time and what they do is people want to be very purposeful with how they utilize time now. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And so narrative is more for audible, which <laughs> I may narrate some of the books and do the, do that, do it in a narrative form on audible. I may do them in that, in that way. Okay. So to give a narrative version of it as well. And so that's something else I'm thinking about doing and praying over at this point before I do it, but these are going to be written more in a devotional flow. So just to let you guys know what's coming and I will actually, the, my seven age of the church, what I'm going to write about on that is going to look like that as well. Praise the Lord. Because folks, the ultimate goal here is glorifying God through transformation and him transforming us into his open vessels for his glorification. Amen. Amen. It's about God and it's about glorifying his name. Amen. Folks, there's no doubt we are living in what Jesus and historical Christian scholars have called the end times. And we're working our way through each of the church ages in order to give you a more thorough understanding of how all this fits into what we're witnessing right now all around us. So we should not be in a state of fear and trepidation. We need to be excited. We need to be thanking God for the day and time in which we live. I mean, so folks, you need to drop down the show notes, click the links right there, get in touch with Scott, order the book, God Center Concept Journal, Making God's Word My Ways on Amazon. And if... It's just so good. Scott, I appreciate you taking the time today to come on, just going in detail. I know we just basically skimmed the surface, but going into detail about the fourth age of the church for us, I do appreciate it. Well, hey, and I appreciate you, Bob, and thank you for having me on the show. Amen. I want to leave everyone with this thought. As you witness all these things happening around us, don't be filled with fear, but faith. And look up, because your redemption is drawing near. Remember to be blessed. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Kingdom Crossroads podcast. Please subscribe to our podcast so you can be notified when another episode is published. 
With over 800 interviews and 1,000 published episodes, Pastor Bob is known as a podcasting expert for helping others to create their own podcast to share their messages with the world. Please visit our website at www.podcastersforchrist.com. That web address again is www.podcastersforchrist.com for more information. Until next time, be blessed in all that you do.